Everson Cooper podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful. In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds. We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between. Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better. We hope you enjoy. Before we get to our guest this week, we want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and you'll get every new episode delivered right to you every Wednesday. Also, be sure to download each episode and write a review in iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And if you feel super compelled and inspired by our guests, go ahead and share this on your social media network too. We'll wait. Okay, great. Thanks. On the podcast today, we had Frank Gray. Frank is the founder and owner of Abbey Realty. Abbey Realty is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing real estate brokerages in the Houston area. Frank shares his story behind the creation of Abbey Realty, his journey over the past 20 plus years in real estate, the highs of becoming a millionaire investor, then facing bankruptcy during the recession of 2008-2009, the ultimate recovery and ascension from that time, and the lessons learned. Frank discusses his tools for success and leadership, and how he helps those around him find their own definition of success and attain fulfillment. Frank has a wealth of knowledge and experience and is one of the most compassionate people we are surrounded by. We hope you learned something from this podcast, find a bit of inspiration, and enjoy yourselves as much as we did. Frank Gray, thanks for joining the podcast. My pleasure, Andy. Thanks for having me. We're we are, so happy to have you here. Yeah, we're very excited. I think it all came together just a couple weeks ago when you were giving a talk at Inspired Leaders. We, I think, Elizabeth and I have never really dove into your background, your story, yes. uh, the things that make you successful, the obstacles that you've had to overcome, some of the interesting things along the way. Yes. And then you gave a really, really great talk. And I was, I said, I am so glad we're having him on the podcast because this is incredible. And so I hope that we can capture some of that okay. in this podcast. Me too. That was, <laughs> that was a really, really good time. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Um, yeah, no, you're awesome. And Frank, Frank is one of the ones that took me in very, in the very beginning when I was trying to figure out my way and what the heck am I doing and how am I going to start this business? And Frank took me right on in and we actually ended up doing a deal together. It maybe took a year and a half for the deal to actually like come to fruition, but <laughs> yes, that's called persistence. Yes. Um, but Frank and I were able to, were able to do a deal together. And so now watching him build Abby has been very exciting and um, it's nice to nice to see that, and we want to support you as much as we can. The way you were very supportive to us when we started, right. so we're well, Elizabeth, for you. I don't claim to have many gifts or skills, but one thing that I have paid a lot of attention to is identifying talented people. And so the first time that we met, my lights were go- blinking and the buzzers <laughs> were going off. That you were somebody who definitely had a plan. You were on mission. You were committed to doing that. And I think I even recall trying to talk you out <laughs> of your path. But you were so committed to it. You did. You, you knew what you wanted to do. And here we are a couple years later, yeah. and you guys are having all the success that you are. So Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. So let's, I guess, uh, we'll start with where we are currently, where you are currently. Um, you know, we'll go into a little bit of the background and 
you, know, you were in the on the corporate side of, of real estate. Yes. Um, you even had a little bit of a career prior to real estate that I'm kind of curious about. Okay, great. But right now, you are the owner, the founder of Abbey Realty, your own brokerage. Yes, sir. Let's let's start right off the top. Okay. Where does the name come from? What is the meaning of it? Let's let's start there. Abbey Real. Abbey sure. Realty. So Abby is my wife and I's daughter. She's uh, 23 years old. Um, Abby's name means my father's joy. Hmm. We picked that out for her, of course, before she was born, hoping that would be the case. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, it is, of course. Abby likes to say that. Uh, tell everybody that her name means my father's joy. And then she tells everybody she has two fathers. Her heavenly father and her earthly father, and she's the joy of both of them. So, um, Abby has special needs, so uh, she still lives with us at home, but she's a beautiful, articulate, smart, funny, witty girl. Uh, we love having her, and when it came time to start a real estate company and figure out a name, I didn't even really have to think about it. It just made so much sense. We love the name, not just because it's our girl, but for a real estate company, it starts with A. That's always good for a business. Right. It's only two syllables. It's easy to say. Abbey Realty has a nice ring to it. And so it really solved the problem of what do you name a real estate company? Abbey Realty. And it's no, um, it's not a small mom and pop company. You know, you yes. guys are, the, I, I think you are uh, the fastest growing yes. brokerage in, in the Houston area. And so talk a little bit about how that happened. Sure. How, how did you start? Why did you start? Yes. And what have you done to grow so quickly? And, and sure. put in context where you started, the number of agents that you guys have and where you are currently yes. today. Yes. So we launched on November 15th, 2017 with five of us, four agents and myself. We met at my home, had a big pot of chili and cornbread <laughs> and uh, plotted world domination. So... Uh, we, we actually had pretty modest goals to begin with, even though from day one I knew I wanted to grow a large real estate company, my concept of large was a few dozen agents. Sure. And after a few weeks when we started growing and everybody seemed to be so excited about what we were doing, I dared to allow myself to think at one point about where we could be after a year. And I thought 50 agents would just be amazing. But I wouldn't even let myself dwell on it because I didn't want to set myself up for disappointment. That's right. But, of course, we hit 50 agents within just a few months. And we're well beyond that now. We're, we're in our ninth month. We're at 118 agents. Oh, my goodness. I've already met with two more today who said they are going to join us. I had a phone conversation with one this afternoon who's going to call me tomorrow, probably bring himself and, and two agents with him over to join us. I had another phone conversation on the drive over here to your studio, <laughs> and uh, it was uh, with an agent uh, also interested in joining us who was recommended to us, interestingly, by an Abbey agent who left. She had a great opportunity to join a big, powerful team at another company. It was such a great opportunity. I encouraged her to take it, <laughs> and she did. And so she's still out there recruiting on behalf of our company, recommending us to everybody she knows. And so even though we have grown at an incredibly rapid pace, it feels like the accelerator is being pushed on even harder. Mm -hmm. And we've added you know, 10 to 12 agents a month since we started. I honestly believe 
that when we get past a couple more hurdles involving my time, we'll be able to grow at the, a pace of 15 to 20 agents a month. Mm-hmm. And then as we build the infrastructure underneath that, raise up some more management talent, who knows? I mean, it's hard. People ask me about my goals all the time and where's this going. And honestly, I, I feel like I'm kind of riding a wild stallion. I, it's it's kind of taking me <laughs> as opposed to me steering it. And it, it's probably embarrassing to even admit that publicly. But I, I, I feel like I'm having to hold the reins very loosely on this thing that seems to have a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you've really created a beautiful energy. I mean, you yourself certainly have one, and you're very um, endearing and kind and caring, and you're very gravitating, I feel like, to a lot of people. But I think also, Andy mentioned that you're the fastest-growing real mm-hmm. estate team in the area, yes. and one of the things you said at Inspired Leaders is from the beginning, you put it out there. Yes. We're the fastest-growing real estate yes. team in the area, and you said at Inspired Leaders, I don't know if that's true, but nobody <laughs> has stopped me. Yes. But I think the point of that is that you really, truly have believed that and put that out there in the universe yes. and let people know we are here and this is what we're doing. That's exactly right. And I just think that's so incredible and it really shows what the power of your energy and what you put out there in the universe and what you tell people and you just yes. believe it and you're full force and you're like, here we are, 118 yes. agents, you're right. not even a year in. Yeah. Right. It's un- it's and who else has done that? Yeah, again, nobody I has changed. I started making that statement a few weeks in when we were adding about three agents a week. I'm like, right. who else is doing that? And you know, now that we're 118 in nine months, literally, who else has done that? Right. So until somebody stops me and shows me <laughs> otherwise, I'm still going to make that claim. You're unstoppable, Frank. <laughs> Keep going. Well, good for you. I, that That is really awesome that you're getting just the, the amount, the, the quantity of agents. Yes. And that's all. then that brings me to, to my next question, I guess. How do you ensure that you have the correct quality yeah. that you want, the quality that Abbey Realty wants? Yes, that's always the follow-up question. Yes, <laughs> Frank, 118 agents, but are they any good? And my response <laughs> is always the same. They're either great or going to be sure. mm-hmm. yeah. because we provide an environment. I think that's what honestly makes us unique, and I think it is our great magnet. It's why people are so attracted to us is that we create the environment where agents can grow personally and professionally to any level of aspiration. Mm -hmm. And we have agents whose aspirations exceed a million dollars a year in gross commission income. And we have others who'd be happy to close three or four deals a year. Mm -hmm. And what I say consistently is I don't judge people's aspirations. If you want to do three or four deals a year, let me help you do that. Mm -hmm. If you want to make a million dollars a year, let me help you do that. Our compensation structure is such that it works for agents at both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy to work with the agent who's winding down their business or an agent who's launching their business, an agent who wants to break through to the next level, perhaps start a big team. I think we're very uniquely positioned primarily because of our compensation plan that we work in all of those situations. Mm That's awesome. So, so with that, with with Abby, nine months in. Yes. I mean, I imagine just the growth is a surprise and a challenge yes. within itself. But talk a little bit about some of the experiences along the way, some of the things that you may not have seen coming, and it turned out to be 
you know, oh my God, I can't imagine 118 agents. That was a yes. great, you know, maybe a really big surprise. Yes. Talk about some of the experiences along the way that uh, maybe were hurdles. And you're like, man, yes. I'm glad we experienced that, but I'm glad we're done with it. Yes. So I think one of, one of the early surprises that I'm still dealing with is that in a real estate brokerage, income lags growth by a certain period of time. It follows behind. And that may be true of any business. But in real estate, when you hire a new agent, it may be 60 days before they get a transaction, then another 45 days before it even closes, and that's your first income, you know, three or four months later. When you hire an experienced agent, all of their pendings are going to close at their previous brokerage. So they've got to put up something new under contract with you. So at best, you're six weeks away from any income. And so when we started the company, I was thinking, Boy, when we get to 30 agents, I'll be able to stop selling real estate and just live off the income from the brokerage. Well, we're at 118, and I'm still selling real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see the future, but I've had to adjust my expectations. Mm-hmm. And part of it is, is kind of my own doing because... Whereas I probably could be making a living from the brokerage, I'm so excited about the growth we're having. I'm just constantly reinvesting every cent the company makes, goes back into the company mm-hmm. to provide more resources. As you, I think, are keenly aware, we have put our first building under contract, mm-hmm. and the down payment alone on that is $350,000 cash and so <laughs> scary numbers for for me so i've just poured everything into the company but what what that has meant this has kind of been the biggest surprise slash biggest obstacle is that i'm wearing several hats mm-hmm. i'm still producing at a top agent level i'm running a company pretty much by myself i only have one staff member and he's a he's full time but he's a virtual assistant lives in the philippines and so he can only do what can be done virtually. Mm-hmm. So he helps with the back-end administration of the company and that type of thing. But in terms of um, agent coaching, agent recruiting, putting together training materials, running team meetings, even creating uh, vision and strategy for the company, that's, that's pretty much still on my shoulders and that's been a, a surprise to me. I really thought at 30 agents I was going to be on easy street and coasting and uh, just cheering on my agents from the sidelines. But it's been uh, much more of a 22-hour-a-day job than, <laughs> than I was expecting. And that was, yeah, that, um, I'm, I'm curious how you balance being the leader of the company. Yes. But then also having to be a producer. Yes. Uh, and I think as, as companies grow, obviously, you know, the, the, initially you're the leader and the producer because you're, yes. you know, a one man band or yes. maybe just the, the player small coach. Group. Right. Exactly. As it, as it goes on, you know, probably as you imagined, you know, after you got to 30, after right. you got to 50, especially <laughs> if you, you know, plan to get to a hundred, like, man, I'm, I'm out of the game. That's you're right. Just leading these guys and you're still producing. Yes. So what are the challenges? What excites you about yes. that? about having to juggle both and, you know, probably only sleeping two hours a day. Yeah, so there is an advantage to to being a player coach Mm -hmm. in that you're not speaking out of past experience, but you're training and coaching agents out of contemporary experience. When I'm teaching an open house boot camp, I can talk about the open house that I hosted last weekend. Mm -hmm. There's tremendous credibility that goes with that. Agents want to know 
that you are not just have been in the trenches, but in some sense you are in the trenches. So you really identify with the challenges and struggles that they have. So it's actually led me to a new vision for what I want to do. And I've shared this openly with the agents. I do want to scale back my sales activity as the revenue from the company allows, but I always want to keep my hand in the game. And I've, I've self-limited that to my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I'm always going to market my neighborhood. So again, I stay up on current marketing techniques and I understand the, the challenges and the pitfalls and the expenses and returns and all of that and go through the transaction process, but in, in a microcosm to the 450 homeowners in my neighborhood. So I think there's great value in it in a limited capacity. And that's going to be the challenge because for somebody who's been selling real estate, this is anybody for several years, you can do that in your sleep. That's the easy money. Whereas growing a company, that's the new challenge. And we all, I think, tend to gravitate back to our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So my agents have really solved that problem for me because my phone never stops ringing. (laughs) The inbox is always full of agent issues, agent questions. And I actually find myself energized by that. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's part of the confirmation to me that I made the right decision to start this company because I get more joy from that. I would much rather have somebody call and say, hey, I'm interested in talking to you about joining your company as opposed to come list my half million dollar home, even though I'll make more money on the half million dollar home. It just doesn't appeal to me like it did in the past. And so with that, you know, you like to keep your your hand in the game. Yes. I, I, I imagine that you, you feel more prepared in a leadership role. Yes. You're, you're up to snuff with what's going on. You're not, you know, you're not feeling like you're out of the game and, right. and jaded or, or whatever. And so is that something that you always wanted to do? Or if you ever got to that point, like, no, I always do want to keep my hand in the game. Talk a little bit about, like, your ideals of, yes. of leadership. You know, the things yes. that you know, you believe and you, you were taught or you've always um, had along the way of sure. when, I, when I'm in a leadership role, I want to be sure that I do this and I do this. Yes. It's interesting. I, my career has could be summarized as a frustrated entrepreneur because I've always been in corporate positions, management positions. I've been on the guy, the guy on the stage handing the trophies to the people making a million dollars a year and wishing that I was on the other side of the trophy. Mm -hmm. But there's something about W-2 income that's addictive, and it's very hard to break away from. So I always had these dreams and aspirations, but not plans. I mean, fantasies is really the best Mm -hmm. description. What I would do if I was in that position, not really believing that that opportunity would ever come. But I spent over 20 years in the corporate ranks in real estate as a trainer, as a coach, consultant. I heard directly from agents about the challenges that they faced, um, the obstacles that really kept many of them from either getting into the business or ever gaining traction in the business. Typically, those involve high fees and brokerage expenses and things like that. And so even though I started my company on very short notice, literally four days, I, I really had, I really thought I was going to stay on the corporate path and just be able to make some tweaks to allow me to stay in that position and exercise my entrepreneurial aspirations a little bit on the side. As it turns out, the break came with four days notice to me. And so in one sense, I was not prepared at all. But in the other sense, I had 20 years 
of backlog of understanding agent needs, desires, and frustrations. And so when I started Abbey Realty, there, it was not difficult. I didn't have to sit down you know, at a whiteboard or a computer and figure out what I was going to do. It just happened. Mm-hmm. People ask me about my compensation plan, how I came up with that. And I never have a good answer because it just happened. I mean, it just literally compensation plan. Okay, boom. Okay, value proposition. Boom. What are you going to do for training and development? Boom. I, it was just all just literally just right there in my brain. And I, I didn't even have to think about what I wanted to do. It just just came right out. So it was probably good for me that it happened on very short notice because then it really wasn't anything contrived. Right. It was that pent-up understanding of what agents want to need mm-hmm. is is very organic yes way. very you, organic you the, it was almost a uh, ripping the band-aid off all right you have 20 years, years of experience now it's time to apply it yes that, that that's a very good description of how it yeah. happened yeah talk about that band-aid rip what was that like from where you were to to oh my gosh i'm starting every realty yeah yeah yeah, yeah. talk about the, sh- the short notice the, yeah you had four days to make a decision and boom, yeah it, it 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 was it was very scary in one sense because again i'd never been without salaried income in my entire life and i'm in my mid-50s so this is not the time when most people quit their job and you know <laughs> risk everything so so there was certainly that element, but also I had been selling real estate at a high level for several years, mm-hmm. and I knew worst case scenario, if the brokerage didn't take off, if nobody ever joined me, if Abbey Realty crashed and burned, I could still sell houses and make a living. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like my family was going to be destitute, out on the streets, living under bridges. I knew that was not an option. And I think that's the worst fear in the back of the mind of most entrepreneurs is I'm going to lose everything. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was never an issue. It was simply an issue of, is is what I'm doing going to be attractive to agents? Mm -hmm. And I I knew at at my core it was attractive. So I, I guess the real issue was, Will agents take the risk to join me, mm-hmm. a brand new, unknown, unbranded brokerage in a field crowded with well-known branded brokerages? Mm-hmm. Why would they align their career with me? That was, that was really the only issue was, would agents take the risk? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. But again, I had a pretty good safety net underneath me that I would just go sell real estate if it didn't right. work out. And actually, I think that was one of our keys to success is because I didn't know if anybody was going to join me. I didn't go out and rent a big building. Uh-huh. I didn't go out and hire a big staff. Um, I told those four agents who met me on the night of November 15th that I'm not spending my life savings on this. I'm not raiding the 401k. I'm not mortgaging the house. We're going to add staff and services and buildings and all this other stuff that brokerages have as the company has revenue. We're going to lead with revenue. And so literally from the very first day of the company, we were always profitable Mm. because our expenses were virtually nothing. Even though my compensation plan is very skinny, nobody's paying me a lot of money, uh, it doesn't take a lot of money to run the brokerage as I had it set up. I was the only employee and we didn't have any offices or staff or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I paid a few realtor bills, realtor bills, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So I told them from the beginning, as we grow and have revenue, we'll add staff services and buildings. We added 
uh, our first staff member in April, our full-time VA in the Philippines. He's still our only employee. Um, I told them when we got to 100 agents, I'd get them a building. We hit 100 agents on July 26th. I signed a contract for a building on July 27th. And uh, yeah, literally the very next day. And uh, we're set to close on that building uh, in about three weeks. That's incredible. So it's been, um, you know, it was kind of scary to start, but because of the way we structured it, it was almost a can't fail model mm-hmm. because our expenses were always so low. If it only had it just ended up being me and those four agents who came with me, we would have been okay. Mm-hmm. We'd have never had a staff, never had a building, but we would have all been making a good living mm-hmm. selling houses. That's right. So it started out as a very sustainable yes. business model to begin with. Yes. And and I think that is I think that's very key for you for keeping the mission the, the the vision and the message very very consistent because you didn't you didn't have this incredible amount of overhead to yes. just go chase revenue. That's right. And so sometimes when companies do start out, I'm certainly not an entrepreneurial expert you know by any means. It's more about you know the application over the last two and a half three years you know for us just trying to figure it out. But and I think that's what has made our company successful is we've kept our our overhead yes. you know, very very low and yes. so we've been able to have the same message, been able to have the same you know mission and vision and right. haven't had to just bend over backwards just to you know just to keep the lights on just that's to, right. kind of to, to to chase revenue that's right and so I think you know that whether you decided that from the beginning you've done a great job with that I think that's been you know, very successful for you. I remember only one time ever having any concern about expenses. I, mean, we, I think when we started the company, I had ten thousand dollars in a an account. I you know started here's ten thousand dollars, and um, and it started dipping like six weeks in, and I'm like, am I going to have to add any more money to this? <laughs> and I and I didn't want to. To me, that was like a point of pride. Sure. And uh, and I never never had to. Good for you. And then from there, the you know the the, the balance grew. But yeah. you know, there's just there's that one little point. Like I don't want to have to go back and you know replenish. Mm-hmm. And we we've never had to do it. <laughs> All right. So I want to rewind a little bit and put a little more context on your professional career. Yes. You didn't start in real estate. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I, what's funny is a lot of the people that we have sat down and talked with on our podcast. I, you know, us included, are in our second career. Yes. We didn't start where we are. We started out with some other path, some other calling, some other thing that we were probably incredibly passionate about. Right. But at some point, we decided, yes. or we were forced yes. to, uh, you know, make a decision and, and make a change. Yes. And so you started out. You went. You got your doctorate in yes. theology. Yes. Uh, you, you spent a number of years, um, you know, in on, um, you know. In ministry. Ministry. That's, yes. that's the word I'm looking for. Yes. Thank you. So talk a little bit about that. Yes. How did you get started in that? How did that bring meaning to your life? Yes. How do you use the things that you experienced and you learned then? How do you use that still today? Oh, very good point. So, yeah, from the you know earliest memories, I always wanted to be a missionary and had fantasies of flying over India and parachuting Bibles down to the natives. We, we, me and my brothers and sisters, that's, those were the games that we played when yeah. we were kids. So was no surprise to anybody that after I got a business degree from college that I headed off to seminary, got a master's degree, then became a youth minister, ultimately a senior pastor. And it was while going back to school to get my doctorate that I took a job in sales. It was insurance and investments. 
and discovered, first of all, a real knack for sales, but secondly, a real love for the business world. And it wasn't a tremendous revelation to me. I had a degree in business, and I had been working in business literally since I was 12 years old. Busting tables at a Mexican restaurant and then mowing lawns, had my own little entrepreneurial ventures, uh, worked two or three jobs all the way through college. So I was aware of it, but as an adult with a family in the business world, I just found opportunities of interaction with people I would never have come into contact otherwise that I found very uh, exciting. And after I got my degree, we decided to pursue that path. And we came down to Texas. I got involved in real estate in Houston with the David Weekly Company selling new homes. It was from there that I got uh, hired away by a national franchise real estate company and spent 20 years with them as a coach and consultant. And in some ways, it feels like I'm doing the same work I did when I was in full-time ministry. And I'll just give you a little glimpse into that world. Throughout my career, whenever I've invited an agent into my office, whether I've invited them or they've initiated the conversation, and I close the office door and look across the desk at them, almost invariably, they start sniffling. I have to hand them the Kleenex box. <laughs> And they just start telling me what's going on in their life. And every, every person has a broken heart over something. And I've just always made myself available, whether consciously or not, I think probably unconsciously. And people feel comfortable sharing with me their struggles. And um, I'm able to share a word of comfort to them. I feel like many times I'm a, I'm a pastor counseling again and encouraging people again but people that I would not have had an opportunity otherwise to ever have come in contact with. Mm -hmm. So I still feel like I'm in ministry. I don't feel like I've abandoned my calling, but I've moved from kind of a support position to a frontline position. And I do think that somewhere in my future, I will be pastoring a church again. Yeah. And I don't know the timing of that or the situations behind that, but I still love to teach and preach and counsel, and we, my wife and I are both very involved in our church as volunteers and do our share of that stuff. Um, but it's all in God's hands. You know, I feel like he had me there. He has me here, and when the time is right, he'll open the door for whatever's next. Mm -hmm. I forgot what I was going to ask. <laughs> well, you, you, I didn't quite answer the question. You also asked if there was any, like, uh, overlap of, you know, uh, you didn't use the word talent or skill, but any of the, the um, I, I guess, traits that helped me in ministry, mm -hmm. do they help me also in real estate? And I think that's very true. For example, public speaking. After I speak or train and people find out about my background, they're almost like, oh, yeah, now I can see. Uh -huh. You sounded like a preacher up there, you know, that <laughs> that kind of thing. But, I, you know, communication is the core of success in every industry. Mm -hmm. So if you can learn to have a conversation or to speak before a small group or a large group, it's going to give you a larger and larger stage from which to share your message. And so I don't, there's no doubt in my mind that those skills have helped. And then the listening skills that I somewhat referred to. Mm -hmm. Looking at every person as a human being, a bundle of experiences and heartaches and unmet aspirations and frustrations and taking them seriously as a person and knowing that from my perspective God has put me in their life and I have an opportunity to help them on the journey that's what drives me 
you know, even in our, in our company, my motto is, you know, I help agents achieve at any level of aspiration, but I know those aspirations are not just financial. Mm-hmm. You know, my aspiration is to help my kids go to college or to be a better husband, or we have an agent in our uh, company whose passion is building orphanages um, on impoverished Caribbean islands. I want to help people do those. Whatever lights them up, whatever they feel like is their calling, their vision, their passion in life, I want to help them get there. That's probably a lot of the reason that you have so many agents because it's not just a transactional thing. You're not even, it doesn't even sound like that's a conversation that you're focused on. Unless, of course, they want to share their financial goal and help them with that. But in regards to who they are as a person, they can grow and be whoever and whatever they want to be with the love and support of you and the rest of their agents. We always start the conversation with life aspirations, Mm -hmm. which are typically not financial. Mm-hmm. But life aspirations do have a financial component. If you want to start orphanages in Haiti, guess what? You need some money to mm-hmm. do that. Right. If you want to send your kids to an Ivy League college, guess what? There's a price tag associated with that. Right. So we start with these life aspirations, and then we drill down to what we call a financial requirement. In order to live that kind of life, mm-hmm. what's it going to take financially? Whether for current expenses or money that you need to be setting aside to fund this great aspiration in the future. And then from that, we're able to identify how many houses they need to sell Mm -hmm. and where those houses are going to come from and how they're going to generate the leads, convert the leads and uh, earn that client's business. And so it always starts with life aspirations, but it drills down to well, that means I got to make 16 phone calls today sure. to expired sellers. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But now you know the the big why. Why am I enduring this difficult task? Why mm-hmm. am I putting myself through this? It's because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you you have people that are going to stick. They're gonna they're gonna stay through maybe difficult times. They're gonna stay through um, you know the obstacles because they know that you know their why. Yes. You you want to help them accomplish you know just exactly what you talked about. It's not right. just about well you need to go out and sell more houses. Yes. But, but I mean that's not exactly why I'm here. I can maybe go you know get a get a job somewhere else and put money in my pocket. Yes. He understands why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that is absolutely incredible, mm-hmm. and I think that goes back to your point about listening. Yes. And, and that's what I was going to say earlier. Something that I've learned. And I, I have, I'm not naturally an entrepreneurial person by, by nature. Uh, I was, I was very much W two yes. benefits. I was in education right. and in sports my entire life up and really until you know I'm in my 30s now. Um, and uh, it was always about inst- being being surrounded by institutions. Institutions made me feel safe, made yes. me feel comfortable. And uh, now being on the entrepreneurial side, being on the sales side, uh, I always. I didn't like the idea of sales growing up because I had a distorted understanding of sales. It was always the fast talker and the the hair slicked back and the snake (laughs) oil and, you know, whatever. And really the best sales people, the most profound people that have have impacts are the ones that actually listen. They let people talk. They figure out what motivates them. They figure out what they're worried about. Yes. And then they say, all right, look, here's here's what I can do to help you. Right. And I think you're doing that yeah. for not only, I, I imagine, for uh, the people that are you know buying and selling homes mm-hmm. um, through Abbey Realty, but for your agents yes. as well. 
The truth is nobody wants to be that salesperson you described. Mm -hmm. That's a mental barrier that all real estate agents have to overcome because they don't want to come across as that. They don't want to leverage their personal relationships and friendships for a financial purpose and mm -hmm. cause people to think that they just want you know, the economic gain they can get out of the relationship. So what I teach them is to perceive themselves in the service business. Real estate mm -hmm. sales is a service business. Mm -hmm. The more people you serve, the greater income you're going to generate. It's not because you're a salesperson. And, th and the truth is, we can't make anybody buy a house. That's right. Just because we want them to buy it, that means nothing to them. Mm -hmm. They're going to buy a house when it meets their needs and it's within their financial comfort zone. What we do to facilitate that is to serve them by finding them appropriate homes to look at, by scheduling the showing, by negotiating the best deal. None of that has a sales component to it. Even though ultimately we're selling a house, we do it through the path of service. Mm -hmm. And once real estate agents understand that, they feel much better about their occupation. Right, right. Yeah, Absolutely. no, that's a great point. So you mentioned you um, you went to seminary school and then yes. actually you got out and took a job eventually, I guess, with, with David Weekly. Yes. Brought you to Katy, Texas. Yes. So you're not, you're not originally a Texas guy. Yes, sir. I'm an Oklahoman. <laughs> You're an Oklahoman. Okay. okay. It, I am always, I, I think, more curious about where people come from and where they've spent time than probably 99% of yes. people in this world. And the reason being is because I think geography has a lot, uh, it, it defines a lot about someone's culture. Yes. Where you've spent time, who you surround yourself with. Um, says a lot about a person, or at least can get, can give an indicator. Yes. So I'm always curious of where you spent time. Where did you grow up? Mm -hmm. um, you know where you know you, where did you go to school? Yes. Uh, you spent time you know, professionally in different places. Talk about some of the the, the travels. Along sure. The way. Okay. So I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah. and uh, my a lot most of my family lived out in the country near Tulsa. So I spent a lot of time out there. In fact. Really, the only geography in my life that's never changed is my grandpa and grandpa's farm. It's now passed on to my aunts and uncles, but that piece of geography is still there. I can still go back there. I can still smell the hay in the fields, mm -hmm. and it it really makes me feel like I'm home, mm -hmm. even though I haven't personally been there in probably 10 years and haven't lived there since I was an infant, but I've always gone back there. Yeah. So uh, love my family, aunts, uncles, cousins, all in that area. But we moved a lot um, when I was a kid. Uh, my parents were divorced early on, several remarriages for both of them. So lived all over the state of Oklahoma prior, Lawton, uh, graduated from, not didn't graduate, <laughs> I went to Dell City High School. But before I graduated, we moved to Joplin, Missouri. <laughs> I only spent one semester there, but that's where I graduated from high school and um, went to, I think, 12 different colleges and graduated on time. But again, ev and every one of them had a, a reason behind the move. Sometimes it was just picking up a few extra hours in summer school at this local junior college, or then it was going off to Oklahoma State to be roomies with my best friend, and then it's trying to save money so I could get married. So I went to the local community college. Mm -hmm. Everything had a reason, but graduated on time, got a business degree because I always loved business and there was no theology school in my little town of Joplin. Um, 
after I went to seminary uh, after college in Fort Worth, Texas, that was my first time to live in the state of Texas. Uh, then it was off to youth ministry in Roswell, New Mexico, which everybody n- now knows that's where the aliens landed. Sure. But back in the early 80s, it was a forgotten story. The books had not been published. There was no local museum. And when I went to Roswell and told people, did you know this is where the aliens were? They thought I was crazy. They, <laughs> they, they'd never heard the story. Of course, you know now it's the whole town's reason for existence. Oh, yeah. But um, also pastored a church, a senior pastor in Clovis, New Mexico. Uh, was a senior pastor of a church in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, got married in 1990 to Mary Catherine Bresnan, my bride of like 28 or 29 years now, but who's counting? Um, <laughs> we have two kids, a son, Frankie, who's a, a tech sergeant in the Air Force, He's given us two beautiful grandchildren, lovely wife. And then Abby, our 23-year-old, who's got her name on everybody's shirt and uh, (laughs) yard signs all over the Houston metro area. When I was uh, with the um, franchise real estate organization that I worked for for 20 years, I ran regions for them in Missouri, Ohio, Carolinas, Florida, and then came back to Texas with them in 2010 as the business productivity director for the state of Texas. So my geography has taken me all over the country. The only place I've really never lived is in the far west. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of have uh, aspirations in the back of my mind that at some point I may end up in Colorado or Wyoming. I love the mountains and the high dry climates. Yes. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous place. I've, I've had the opportunity to spend time in Colorado and yes. Wyoming. Very, very, uh, Wyoming is an underrated state. It yes. really, really is. I think it gets a bad reputation of being, you know, way out there and, right. and, you know, and flat and ugly. It's actually a really nice state. Uh, so, so you talked about this at Inspired Leaders. I think one of, probably personally, one of your largest obstacles that you've had to overcome. Yes. Uh, I guess you were on the brink of bankruptcy. Or you had you were you were facing it. You, the, you, know, oh. you were staring down the barrel of it. Yes, and you know you've come back. Yes. from that. Yes, I think that's an incredible story. I think um, you know people can get a lot of great uh, inspiration. Yes. out of that. Yes, tell us a little bit about that. Sure, that at inspired leaders was the first time I had ever shared that story publicly, and you have to get some distance from it because it was so painful for sure. me. I couldn't tell it. Sure. For many, many years, but it was when we were in Florida and I was in corporate real estate um, leading 10,000 real estate agents. And this was in the the boom years of real estate. And I arrived in Florida just before the peak and started buying real estate like crazy. Everything, townhomes, vacant lots, single family homes, high rises, everything. And uh, was rich on paper. For about 10 minutes. <laughs> because, again, I was buying right right before the crest. Sure. Um, timing is everything in real estate. Then I had the worst possible timing. And so it crashed and crashed hard and crashed fast. I remember people saying, well, the balloon's just going to deflate slowly. No, it didn't deflate slowly. Somebody popped it with a pin. Right. And just overnight, I was overwhelmed with debt that I could not service. And yes, I had to file bankruptcy. It wasn't an almost or a near miss. I mean, it it wiped me out financially. So that when I came to Texas in 2010, 
I, I had nothing. And, um, but I, I, you know, this is America. There's the land of opportunity. We serve a God who's, has, who's for us, not against us. And so even though, you know, I was at a stage of life about 50 years old when you want to really start coasting, you've got your money in the bank and life is good and you go buy the convertible and all that. I was starting from scratch, but I was never discouraged. My wife was wonderful through the whole thing. My kids still loved me. We always had a roof over our head. We never missed any meals. I worked with great people who believed in me, was given great opportunities to lead and serve, and so just slowly started clawing my way back. Honestly, though, it wasn't until five years ago when I changed positions within the same organization and was able to start selling real estate in addition to my W-2 job, mm -hmm. that things completely turned around for us. It was really, a, it was the best of all worlds for me because I had the security net of a W-2, but the freedom to generate 1099 part-time real estate sales, and those part-time real estate sales went from one transaction a month to two to three to four to five, and just just changed the world for us. Mm -hmm. And you just bankroll a few good years like that, and uh, the world is completely different. And thank God that's that's how it worked out for us. I appreciate you sharing that with us because I think the financial component can always be the biggest fear for most. Yes. And right. When you get to a place where you're like, how am I going to pay for this? And right. what is this going to be like? It does feel hopeless, and you don't know what to do. And it takes yes. great strength to go and say, I have to file bankruptcy. I, yes. You know, bought all these amazing pieces of real right. estate that didn't turn out to be so amazing. And, you know, yes. we all make decisions and do things that we feel are the right things to do, but yes. they don't always come to fruition the way we plan. And so yeah. it's nice to be able to see somebody like yeah. you that's so successful and yeah. doing great things that, you know, it's good to hear that. I don't mean yes. that in a negative way or trying yeah. to, I just think it's, nice when people are able to share like I really was in a hole at yeah. one point and I as you said you crawled your or yeah. clawed your way excuse me out of it and I think that's the point is that you didn't stop you didn't right. let it break you right. or your life or your marriage you just yeah. kept pushing and kept believing and yeah. I think that's really incredible I think most entrepreneurs will tell you that they failed their way to success mm -hmm. very few people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth at least not people who really achieve things in life mm -hmm. It's those who've had to claw their way up, not just from one adversity, but two and three and four. Mm -hmm. There's actually a Bible verse I've taken great comfort from. It says, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he always gets back up again. Mm -hmm. And for years, that was what I clung to. Up again was my internal theme. I don't know if I ever said those words out loud, but it was always just up again, just get up again, just get up again, just get up again. And... Um, you know, it, it all works out eventually, but you just have to be willing to go through that, go through the adversity, recognize there's a rainbow on the other side of the storm, and but the storm is necessary. You got to go through it. You got to you got to pay the price. None of us live in a perfect world. We don't have perfect judgment, perfect wisdom. We always do what we think is the right thing, but we're working from impartial knowledge. We don't we don't know what the economy is going to do, what mm -hmm. the real estate economy is going to do. We don't know about our own health. None of us are promised tomorrow. So we make the best decisions we have with the information that we have, and then we live with the consequences. And if they're not good consequences, we continue to work and just be faithful, 
give it our best effort and trust that God's going to work it out. And there's, again, now I do sound like a preacher, but, um, you know, there are many, many scriptures that, that talk about God will not forsake those, you know, who seek him. And as long as, as you're trying to do the right thing with the right motives, uh, you're not going to go hungry. Your family's going to be okay. And then I think in a significant percentage of the times, you're actually going to fail your way into real prosperity mm-hmm. if you just hang in there. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And I think that also gives perspective to to younger listeners, younger younger people. This you know for us, um, and we've we've only we've been out of college. I've been out of college for for ten years now. So I've been in the professional world. Had to you know. Get up, go to work, and yes. you know, can't can't uh, roll out of bed and say oh, I'm not going to class. Been doing that for ten years. It's a short, it's still a short period of time. And so when we look at people that have done things ahead of us, uh, you know, we look at the nice car they drive, the house that, right. they, that they have, and you know, whatever the nice meals that they get. Man, they, you know, they've got it all figured out. They must have just been. It's just been a steady uphill yes. climb this whole time. Yes. But like you said, it's, that's quite. Not that's not the case. That's you have right. Two and three and five and twelve, you know, adversities that you have to overcome. So that really puts perspective on things of saying, look, things are going to happen. Maybe it's out of your control. Maybe you made a decision that you thought was going to be good at one point, but it's about it's it's about the journey. It's about learning from your from your experiences. Yes. It's about having um, look at it as like your rite of passage right. on your way to success. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I really do appreciate you sharing that story. And success sometimes. Uh, takes a while just because you need to accumulate enough life experiences, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I, I think, why didn't I start this company 20 years ago? <laughs> well, the truth is I couldn't have started it 20 years ago. Right. I didn't have the life experience, the knowledge of the industry, the, the knowledge of what motivates real estate agents that is only gained in the trenches of experience. And so sometimes success breakthrough success is put off until later in life but everything that was a step along that journey was an essential step right you know, it's it's all useful and so you and i say that i'm probably speaking to myself because i'm probably the most impatient person around you know i want success <laughs> and i want it yesterday that's right and uh, and why 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 in my mid 50s you know until things just suddenly seem to be working everywhere i turn but it couldn't have happened in my 30s and 40s. Now, with, and some people it does. I, I'm, I'm not, every path is different. But, you know, for people out there listening who may be like me, just be patient. You know, keep doing the right thing. Keep sharpening your skills. Keep building relationships. Master your craft. And your time will come. I want to be respectful of your time. I do have, I'm always curious about this. I love reading big book person I think between the two of us we try to always have a book in our hands whenever we're traveling whenever we have some free time any books uh, or or at this point you know uh, podcasts or audio yes. books if you listen yes um, doesn't have to be currently what you're reading but uh, over over the period of time you know uh, if you read this 25 years ago it still sticks with you yes. a couple books that, that have just a profound impact on your life sure well I see on your bookshelf you've got the 10x rule yes that's very impactful to me. You know, whatever your goals are, they're probably 10% of what they ought to be. That's right. You know, blow them up big because big goals inspire big action. Um, I have implemented that over and over in my business, both in sales and now 
and leading a brokerage. Uh, very, very impactful. Um, there's a book, it's out of print, but you can still find it. I found it recently when I was scrounging for it called The Oz Principle, O-Z, as in The Wizard of Oz. I read it 20-some years ago. It was a signed reading from a company I was working for at the time. And it's all about accountability, but not in how we typically think of it. Like, I'm accountable to another person for my goals and my activities. Mm -hmm. It teaches a concept of responsibility that you are responsible for everything that happens in your life. It, you can't blame anybody. Even, just use an absurd example, you, you're driving to the grocery store to get a loaf of bread and a drunk driver hits you and injures you. Whose fault was it? Well, it was the drunk driver's fault, you know, for being drunk and hitting you. But you made a conscious decision to get in the car and drive to the grocery store knowing that there is a risk of a drunk driver hitting you. And still you made the decision to go. And it, what it does is it frees up your mind from this trap of blaming everybody else for our lack of success or the struggles that we're having, and it leads you to a place of 100% responsibility for your life. And to me, that was freeing because then I didn't no longer worry, well, I didn't get all the breaks. I didn't have the money. I wasn't born with a silver spoon. I didn't go to the right school. I don't have the right connections. None of that matters because I am 100% responsible for what I'm doing right now. And what I'm doing right now is going to determine where I'm at tomorrow and six months from now and six years from now. So the Oz Principle, 10X Rule, two great ones to start with. Awesome. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Elizabeth, anything else? Frank, this has been wonderful. We're grateful for you and your time, the things you're willing to share. We know that it's vulnerable and it's a lot, and we're yes. just grateful for your wisdom and coming here and just spending time with us and sharing the world. I know you spoke to me and my heart today, so I really appreciate that and you, you and thank you for being here. Thank you. Well, part of the great joy of this journey is the people that I get to share it with. So Andy and Elizabeth, thank you for being part of it with me. Awesome. Before we let you go, where can people learn more about Abbey Realty? If they want to join your team, if they want to buy or sell a house, yes. <laughs> where can they go to find you? Sure. So for real estate agents, insideabbeyrealty.com. That's where you're going to learn all about our value proposition and what we do to help agents achieve their aspirations. So for buyers and sellers, call me. I'll interview you a little bit about what you're looking for. Find out um, what geography, what type of home or property, and then I will pair you with an agent with expertise in that area. My number is 713-702-6978. Or you can reach me by email, frank at Frank Gray, G-R-A-Y dot net. Awesome. Frank, thank you so much for being on our podcast and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom. Really My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, then be sure to check us out every Wednesday for our latest episode. Visit us at eversoncooper.com slash podcast or find us on iTunes or any other podcast player. Thanks for listening.